Tailgating season is here. Create the ultimate tailgating package this season. Grab yourself some Man Cave Light and Dan Good Burgers, only available at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. And don't forget the brats. Visit Mike's Star Market in Eau Claire to grab some Man Cave Light brats and many other flavors to choose from. Upgrade your tailgating game this year. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our friends from Hy-V and Toyson Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. On this episode, we're going to catch up with Dr. Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, catching up on some of the injuries in the sports world, specifically with Otani, Shohei Otani, who has a tear in his UCL. Now, he might have to have Tommy John surgery again, and we know he's going to be the prize free agent. But how much could this affect his value in in free agency? Before we get to that, it's the final Packers preseason game coming up on Saturday. Cutdown day for teams to get down to their 53-man rosters is on the 29th, August 29th. So it is time to unveil my predictions my projections on who is going to be on that initial 53-man roster for the Packers. I wanted to get my 53-man roster prediction out there, just in case they start to make cuts after Saturday and such. So um, I, I know I only do one. I only do one. I don't like to do one after every preseason game or even before the preseason. But considering... You know, timing and that. I wanted to get one out there, but I do have a couple of notes on here too where I think it's still kind of maybe a battle heading into this final Saturday preseason game against uh, against Seattle. So let's just jump into it. I've got my 53. I've got my 53 players. Now remember again too, it's the initial 53-man roster because things could change the next day or, or a couple days after. You know, maybe there's some surprise cuts. There's some, uh, so the Packers might uh, claim some players on waivers, and then they've got to release some of their players on their roster. You know, so it's my initial. It's the initial 53-man roster, which they got to get down to in a couple weeks here. But want to get it out there right now, see how it matches up. So, quarterbacks. I think Green Bay carries two this year. Uh, I think it's. You know, no big surprise, Jordan Love and then Sean Clifford. Especially with the play of Sean Clifford in these preseason games, I think makes Green Bay feel a little bit better uh, about the backup position. I don't know if they necessarily would have carried three if Clifford wasn't, you know, kind of maybe like, ooh, guys, you know, not afraid to throw it down the field and, and be a little aggressive and all that. I don't know if they necessarily would have carried three if he wasn't, you know, having a good preseason. But I think the fact that Sean Clifford is having a solid preseason probably makes um, probably makes Green Bay a little bit more uh, comfortable with their backup quarterback position. So they're going young. They're going really young here. But, again, it's not that much different in 08 when they had Rodgers and, and Matt, a rookie Matt Flynn uh, backing them up. So Jordan Love, Sean Clifford, your two quarterbacks. I know, shocking right away. Running back, I think they're going to – take a page like they did from from last year and on their initial 53-man roster they're going to carry two they're going to have two running backs on their roster Aaron Jones AJ Dillon now reminder too 
there's a little strategy, a little strategy involved in this thing where they got the practice squad game day activations. They did that quite a bit last year, you know, with Patrick Taylor and such. So could that be the the scenario for a guy like Emmanuel Wilson? Very much could be. I mean, he's had, you know, a couple of really good games. There is a risk of throwing him out there on waivers for a team to pick him up and, and put them on their 53-man roster. But I think Green Bay is willing to take that risk right now. I think they, uh, they're they going to carry two running backs on their active roster. And if Emmanuel Wilson's still around, they'll have him on the practice squad and a potential you know game day activation sort of thing like they did a lot last year. So that's where I'm at with the running backs. Two on the initial roster, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Wide receivers, I've got six. Got six on here. The the locks: Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. The, the the three locks on there. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, even with the with the hamstring injury, fifth round pick, he makes the ball club. Malik Heath, the undrafted rookie, was one of my Lindsey Pipkins Memorial Watch uh, players. He makes the team, and I do think Samari Torre makes the team as well. Just looking at you know the other wide receivers. Uh, honest, I know they like Bo Melton. Um, you know, I know uh, their their rookie Grant DeBose, Matt Lafleur was saying some positive things about him. He maybe if he goes out there, he's one of my guys that I kind of made a little star next to. If he goes out there on Saturday and just balls out and has a good game, maybe that puts a guy like like uh, Samari Torre in jeopardy, where his job's a little bit on the line. I do think right now if there is going to be you know, if I had to rank the wide receivers, I think Samari is probably number six right now, and Grant potentially, maybe with a really good performance on Saturday against Seattle, unseeds uh, Samari over there, and then Green Bay's really, really going young at, at wide receiver, right? Two two-year guys, and then everybody else is rookies at that point. But that to me might be the 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 one to watch. I. Th- Otherwise, I think Grant is a likely candidate for for the practice squad for, for Green Bay. Uh, let's do the tight ends here. So Luke Musgrave, duh. Tucker Craft, you know, hasn't had a whole lot of spa- splash plays. Had a couple of them yesterday, it sounds like, at practice. He's been getting long and some snaps in, quite a bit of snaps in the uh, in the preseason. He's making the team. There, there's, there's no concern about that. Um I put Josiah DeGuara under here. I know he's listed as like a fullback and an H-back sort of thing, but just making it simple, Josiah DeGuara. And then I do have Austin Allen on here, rookie tight end, Nebraska. He's a big dude. Uh, he, he is a big man, 6'8", six, uh, six, 250-plus. He's a guy that, I mean, he, he actually he can play a little H-back type of role potentially but he's he's really big at that um i do have him i do have a star next to him though too a little bit of an asterisk there that that one still could be up in the air maybe potentially uh a a waiver wire pickup if green bay wants a fourth tight end you know the tyler davis injury kind of opened that up for a guy maybe like austin allen uh to, to get on the roster there he may be more of a, of a practice squad guy uh, at, at, at this point. Maybe if Green Bay wants to go more of a uh, a typical 
fullback type of role, then maybe they go and, and bring in or, or, or keep Henry Pearson, you know, the, the Appalachian State guy, 6'2", 250, maybe. But I feel like the, that Austin Allen would, would benefit more in the practice squad. I have him on my initial 53, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like one of those initial 53s, but Green Bay maybe looks at bringing in a tight end after the waivers and then Austin Allen's on the practice squad afterwards sort of thing. But as of right now, I got him on my 53-man uh, roster, but he can maybe solidify that more with a standout performance on, on Saturday. Uh, offensive line, no no shockers really for, for the starters. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers. John Runyon and Zach Tom, uh, Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman, your, your backup swing, uh, backup tackles over there. Uh, earlier in the week, I had noted interior offensive line as as something to watch for the final game and the final couple practices here. I'm going Sean Ryan. I do have Royce Newman on here. the The Jake Hansen relief uh, release now reverted to the injured reserve. Uh, I think opened the door for Royce Newman. To, to get a job as an interior O lineman on this on this ball club, the only thing that's giving me a little bit of pause is Caleb Jones, the massive tackle. I think they like him a lot, but I look at this and I'm looking at this and I'm like, where does he fit though? If Rashid Walker is your backup left tackle and Yash Nyman is your backup right tackle, they need some more guys that can play the interior, guys who can play that guard position. So unless they still want to hold on to Caleb Jones and they're worried about exposing him to waivers, maybe he makes that club over a guy like Royce Newman. But I just look at this as interior guards, you know, interior linemen here. And right now on their roster, they don't have a lot of guys. Royce Newman, I think, gets a job. I've I've got my concerns about him, but he's logged a lot of snaps. I'd feel a little bit better about him if he'd just become a little bit more consistent here. But that's I've got nine offensive linemen uh, listed on there. Caleb Jones, maybe, maybe, but I just I look at this and I'm like, where does where does he fit? He, he'd be a third tackle on here, and they need some more depth at uh, at the interior offensive line. So defensive line, moving over to to the defensive side of things now. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, T.J. Slayton, those those are your base starters. And then the two rookies, Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden. I've got five defensive linemen. Maybe a guy like TJ Ford can go and, and win a job with a performance uh, for, from this weekend or for, from uh, Saturday's game. But right now, considering, too, that they play a lot of nickel defense, which is just two down defensive linemen on that thing, I'm going to go with, with five defensive linemen on their roster right now, Clark, Wyatt, Slayton, and the two rookies, Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden, which who – have had really solid training camps and really good preseason games there too. So, inside linebacker is uh, I think pretty uh, straight cut and forward there. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, uh, Isaiah McDuffie. I do think Eric Wilson makes it. Brought him back this year. He was a, a pickup last year after the the Vikings released him. Special teams guy. Um, so I think he makes it. A little bit of depth there at inside linebacker. And I do think Tariq Carpenter, uh, the converted safety makes it too. I think they view him as a core special teams player. Um, so I do think Tariq Carpenter makes it on, on this ball club. Five inside linebackers for, for Green Bay. 
outside linebacker now. This one's, I think, pretty, uh, pretty straightforward here, but maybe one player potentially could sneak in. Let's go through the obvious ones. Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, uh, J.J. Kingsley, Enoch Barre, uh, and then Lucas Van Ness. Those, those are your top four. Signed, sealed, delivered. They're getting in. No question about it. Uh, Justin Hollins makes this team too. Uh, he's, he's been solid. He's going to make this, this ball club. Uh, I, I think at this point in time. So I've got five guys at, at that edge rusher, that outside uh, linebacker spot that are that are going to make this team right now. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause where they could potentially keep six is Brenton Cox Jr. This This rookie, undrafted rookie, he's the guy that Played for Florida and Georgia was kicked off both those uh, teams, you know, just attitude and, and all that sort of stuff. He's made some plays in camp, made some plays in, in training camp. The the talent is there. It's just can they harness that talent and keep him focused and and all that. I I'm really intrigued. I hope he can stick around. I think there's something there. There's obviously a lot of talent, but is it worthy of a roster spot right now? I think he's a practice squad guy. I think he sticks around for the practice squad. The only thing is if he goes out and balls out, kind of like what J. Ron Elliott did a few years ago to win a, a spot, maybe they keep him on their on their active roster. Their, their initial, I should say, initial 53-man roster here. But Brenton Cox Jr., number 57, still maybe has a slight outside shot to, to get in, but I think he's most likely going to be uh, a practice squad player corner got a little interesting in the last couple of days here in in my opinion you you got your locks of Jair Rasul and and Keyshawn Nixon and I'm putting Carrington Valentine as your lock I know he's a seventh round rookie but come on he's he's making the ball club but in the last couple days here I think that bottom those last couple of openings got a little bit more interesting the fact that Eric Stokes has not been activated off the pup list at this point in time kind of tells me that unless something changes here soon, he's probably going to start the season off on the pup list, miss the first few weeks. That opens up another roster spot here. So Eric Stokes starting off on the pup makes things here a little bit interesting. And then you got a couple guys that returned back to practice this week. Guys that have contributed on on special teams and such. And that's kind of where I gave the advantage to with with, with these guys. So I went with uh, Corey Corey Ballantyne, number 35. He's been in the league for a few years now. Played a little bit with the the Giants, Jets, Lions. Appeared in eight games for for the Packers last year. Special teams kind of guy. I think he makes it. And then Enos Gaines. He is listed as their backup nickel corner. He returned uh to practice yesterday. He's kind of a he's like a converted safety uh playing in that spot. But again, special teams, 
factoring into it. He played seven games last year for for, for the Packers. So I went with those two guys over Jean Charles, who I really like Jean Charles, but with Gaines coming back to practice the other day, he already was getting reps above Jean Charles. It's just, I think he's a scrappy player, but he's 5'10, 184. I just, I feel like they're going to go a little bit more with, with special teams play here with those final two spots. And, and I think Corey and, uh, and Gaines get those final two corner spots. So I've got them carrying six corners on their initial 53. It changes, though, if, if in the next week or so, if Eric Stokes is activated off the pup. You don't activate Eric Stokes off the pup list in the next week or two if you're not going to have him, or if you don't think he can be ready to play in the first couple weeks of the season. And again, I think with that buy on week six, they're looking at that and and kind of doing some game planning for Stokes. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until the end of October. Safeties. The 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 position group that has been given issues for all of us and maybe for the Packers all offseason and training camp and preseason games. Looking for that starter to put alongside Darnell Savage. And honestly, I don't think anybody has ran away with the job. If Green Bay was hoping that one of these guys was going to step up and just run away and be the clear-cut winner, it didn't happen. Otherwise, we still wouldn't be wondering who's going to be the other starter and and flip-flopping you know, who's getting reps with the ones in that. So I've got Darnell Savage, and I looked at this, and I looked at this, and we know Dallin Levitt's going to get a spot for his special teams. He's a safety. That, that takes up a spot. A lot of times, maybe you see teams carry four, five safeties. I looked at this, and the way everything played out, I've got six safeties here. That's not necessarily, and, and, and hear me out here. So I've got Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tarverius Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr., the rookie, and Dallin Levin. Now, Anthony Johnson Jr., if they decide to keep five, I think is probably going to be the odd man out and then back on the practice squad here. But, again, I think special teams factors into a lot of this here, uh, keeping some of these guys. I think, uh, you know, Rudy Ford back and getting reps with the ones. Maybe he's a leader back in the clubhouse. A few weeks ago it looked like it was going to be Owens. Um, but, you know, more I know got dinged up. Maybe that factors into this uh, this, this 53-man roster here too. But right now I've, I've got six. But if they do five... I think it might be the seventh-round rookie, Anthony Johnson Jr., who was one of my favorite picks in the draft, and I had him in my Packers mock. I want him on the team. But he might be a guy that you're able to sneak on the practice squad. I think he's got a lot of interesting skill sets there. Might just need to be honed in a little bit more. But I've got six safeties. And then to wrap it up, you got your three special teams players here. Anders Carlson, sorry, everybody who wants a new kicker, they're sticking with him. He had a not a good day the other day again. Get used to it. It's going to be like this all year. They're going to ride with him. The leash is long. 
unless something where unless there's like games and multiple games in a row in the regular season where he's missing kicks that result in loss, results in losses, then maybe. But Leash is going to be long for Anders. He's their kicker. Matt Orzek is going to be your long snapper. They brought him in on a contract. He, he's got it. There still might be a little bit of a battle between Pat O'Donnell and Daniel Whalen for the punting position. Daniel Whalen's got elite leg strength. I don't think we've necessarily seen it in these preseason games. We've seen it in practices, hang time and that. Pat O'Donnell, though, is one of the best at directional kicking. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep Daniel Whalen on the practice squad. If they have him on there. I still think they keep Pat O'Donnell. I think it'll help Anders to keep a veteran like Pat O'Donnell around too. So I'm sticking with Pat O'Donnell as your punter. But don't be surprised if Green Bay's like, you know what? We're going young in a lot of areas, a lot of position groups here. We're going to go young at punter too. So there you have it, my 53. My 53 heading into the final game. Hey there, smart shoppers. Get ready to experience the ultimate grocery adventure at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From fresh produce to gourmet delights, Hy-Vee is your go-to destination for quality and variety. Explore their aisles brimming with everything you need. Whether it's a family feast or a quick snack, they've got you covered. Every aisle is an adventure in good taste. And if you need a cold beverage afterwards, stop by the bar at Wahlburgers to quench that thirst. Shop smart, shop happy, shop Hy-Vee. Elevate your shopping game at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Get ready to rev up your driving experience at Toys and Ford, your ultimate destination for top-notch vehicles and exceptional service. Whether you're in the market for a sleek new car, a rugged truck, or a versatile SUV, Toys and Ford has the ride that suits your style and needs. Toys and Ford's commitment to quality and customer satisfaction is unmatched. Experience the thrill of driving a Ford, backed by their dedicated team's expertise. Don't miss out on the best in automotive excellence. Visit Toys and Ford today or explore their inventory at toysandford.com. Catching up with our good buddy, Dr. Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. The news that Otani uh, is going to be done pitching for this year because he's got a tear in his UCL. Now, obviously, that's, you know, what we think Tommy John uh, surgery out there, but uh, I know mm-hmm. there's there's some people, I think it was a GM for, for the Angels that said no decisions have been made yet he's still gonna still gonna hit still gonna dh net but he's done pitching this year is there any chance with a tear in his ucl that he can avoid surgery and still pitch at any point in his career uh i mean that's a tough one um i think you know when you look at the the velocity those major league pitchers throw at uh, to have a torn ucl i mean they to my knowledge they haven't disclosed the extent of the tear so it could be like a low-grade partial that might be a scenario where they're able to rehab it, maybe try some biologic uh, injections like PRP or things like that we've discussed in the past. Um, but if it's a complete tear, he's almost certainly going to be heading for a procedure to either do the reconstruction or potentially the internal brace uh, like Brock Purdy had. Um, and, and again, to get back to throwing like he does, I'm, I'm guessing if it's a high-grade tear. Um, and truth be told, even if it's a low-grade tear that was symptomatic enough to be worked up, there's a pretty high chance this is heading towards surgery. But the nice thing is, is um, you know, he's he's uh, a multi-talented player, right? I mean, he can do things behind, um, both on the mound and, you know, at the plate. So I think they're going to let him play and be in the field. And I think, you know, a lot of times people compete without a UCL, which 
which uh, sounds surprising, but it's really that throwing motion that stresses that a lot. So, um, but again, to answer your question, I, I do suspect this will wind up in surgery. So, uh, two questions uh, to, to follow up on that. He did have uh, Tommy John surgery in 2018 on the same elbow. Is there any concern mm-hmm. about you know you know that this, this is his second potential surgery on that? And if he does have surgery on it, can he still hit while he's recovering for, from that surgery? Um, absolutely. A revision Tommy John is no doubt a more complex surgery with, um, probably less predictable results, frankly. Um, so yes, that is a big, big concern. And I think that's maybe why they consider slow playing it or potentially doing one of those internal braces, um, which is basically where you put this really thick, strong suture across the joint into two anchors. And that kind of supports the ligament while it tries to heal itself. So that may be an indication to try to do that because a revision surgery or AKA a second try at it is going to be less predictable. Um, and with regards to your question about, can you play through the after surgery to getting back to hitting and, and doing some field work, he probably can do that a lot sooner than he would be able to throw from the mound. I mean, that's when we, when we do Tommy John surgeries on athletes, the last activity we get him back to is throwing off the mound. Um, and so, yes, there'd be a window where he could be back, but it still is going to be a while. So he wouldn't be able to do it and then like, immediately get back to, to batting. So there would no question about it. There'd be a, a window where he's not going to be able to do much. But, uh, you know, there could, if he were to have it like, you know, in the off season, he might be able to get back and do some batting DH stuff and then transition to DH plus fielding and then hopefully back to the mound at some point. But obviously, a lot of question marks surrounding this whole scenario. Yeah, because uh, I think, uh, didn't Bryce Harper have Tommy John, but he still hit, uh, I, I think, was that last year, a couple years ago, or something like that, uh, I believe? Yeah, I, he did some he did some DH and yes, but in, and I'm trying to remember where that was, but it was yes, because, I mean, again, that stress is going to be radically different than throwing. And, and throwing from any field position versus a mound is just also different tensions on the elbow. So, you know, the the... The athlete that's out in the field throwing them again, that might come a little sooner than pitching, but there's still going to be a pretty strong link because, I mean, again, the motions aren't that radically different um, if you're throwing, let's say, from center field in. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there, there's often a time where you can let them hit DH because that just doesn't put the same kind of stresses on the elbow. He's Dr. Austin Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, joining us uh, one more on, on Otani. So, obviously, He's a free agent. There, there's the free agent sweepstakes. Everybody's thinking he's going to have the, the biggest contract ever. If you were, say, a team doctor and, and a team that was interested in Otani, and Otani wants to continue pitching, he still wants to, he still sees himself as a, as a long-term starter in this league, You know, would you be nervous uh, recommending him or anything like that to, to your team, but giving him a, like maybe $60 million per year knowing he's going to potentially have a second UCL UCL uh, surgery on that elbow? I'd be nervous giving anybody $60 million a year. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the answer is 100% for sure. I mean, it really depends on the, the MRI results. So there's a really large distinction between a complete re-rupture of that graft and a partial. So I would be much more comfortable in a, in a partial tear setting. Um, and But if he's retorn that reconstructed graft, that's a concern. Um, you know, again, not say you can't do revision UCLs. You can. Those do happen, but they're just, again, all, like all surgeries, the second time around is a little bit less predictable. So um, I think that, you know, certainly the, the sweepstakes, if you will, uh, this changes the, the math on it a bit. I, I'm guessing it's gonna, there's going to be some teams that lose their appetite a bit. But, you know, all these teams, before they make moves like this, they put the, the players through physicals. 
Um, and, and when they find stuff like this, I mean, I'm, those teams would probably want to get their own MRIs or at least review its current MRI to see what the damage is to that graft. And, and again, if it's severe, it's going to be, it's going to be a big deal. But I mean, obviously he's, if he had to give up pitching, he's still a phenomenal player, but he's not the same, right? There's that, that, that ability for him to be an elite pitcher and batter. That's just a rare combination to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, switching over to football, one player that uh, if anybody was going to the Green Bay game on Saturday that you're not going to see on the field for, for Seattle uh, is rookie Jackson Smith, uh, the, the rookie wide receiver from Ohio State. Uh, he's out three to four weeks, they're saying, because he had wrist surgery. My first question uh, on this is that uh, Pete Carroll described it as a slight fracture. And then I saw some people on Twitter saying there's no such thing as a slight fracture. It's like being slightly pregnant. Would, would, is that true that there is no such thing as like a slight fracture? A fracture is <laughs> a fracture. Yeah, I mean that is an important distinction. Yeah, so you know people ask that a lot. Like, was well, it broken or is it fractured or what? So in the in the nomenclature of orthopedic surgery, you know the bone if there's a crack going through it, it's a fracture. Now if it's non-displaced and hasn't moved, that's what some people will call like a hairline fracture, or people are like consider that less. That just means that the bone broke, but but didn't shift. Then you can talk about displaced fractures where things have moved, or like comminuted fractures, meaning it's broken into a bunch of little pieces. But yeah, I mean, with adult bones, little kids are some slight exceptions. They they do break the rule sometimes. But with an adult, our bones are like glass. They're very very strong. When they break, they break. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can have a window pane that has a crack running through it. Is that still a broken window? Yeah. You can also have a you know baseball go through window and the window pane shatters everywhere. That's also a broken window. They're both broken, but to different levels. So yes, if it, it you know there is no such thing as a slight fracture. Now, um, you know if he had to have surgery on it, it's hard to say exactly what that was. I don't. I haven't seen the news that they disclosed what bone was involved or did no, they say, no, they, I haven't know. seen anything out there. You know, I mean, the possibilities include like a like a hook of the handmate fracture. So that's that's uh, one of the bones in the palm that we sometimes see, like when when players get struck. And we see it in baseball players and golfers sometimes too, where where like they get jammed up on the bat of the golf club. Um, but football players can get it as well, and that's where they just open up and take that piece out. That would be a pretty quick recovery. I mean, other little bones in the wrist you think of as like the scaphoid, but usually when they get a screw in that, they're really hesitant to get people back too soon. So four weeks seems like a really early time frame on that, but. You know, hard to say definitively, but, uh, you know, without knowing for sure which bone it is. But to answer your question, no, there is no such thing as a slight fracture. It's, it can be non-displaced or small, but that's, it's bro- if it's broke, it's broke. Yeah. Uh, staying with, uh, with, with Green Bay here for a second, uh, corner, cornerback Eric Stokes uh, still on the pup list. And even though at the beginning of training camp, it seemed like there was some optimism about him getting some practice time in training camp and maybe even being on that week one roster, but still on the pup list. And he's still recovering from those knee and foot injuries that he suffered in a game against uh, the Lions. And to compare it, Rashawn Gary tore his ACL in that same game, and, and Rashawn Gary is is still back. Now, I don't think we fully know the exact injuries that, that Stokes suffered, but, I mean, would you, you know, looking at both an ankle and a knee injury, I'd have to imagine, you know, I know ACL injuries, everybody's a little bit different and that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. recovering from two injuries, I have to imagine, is what's kind of maybe taken a little bit longer for Eric Stokes to get back on that field? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, and often if it's on the same extremity, which if I'm pretty sure it is, it's the same leg, the yep. knee and the ankle. So, yeah, those those rehabs will slow each other down. Um, and, and it's not uncommon for those injuries to have a, a link between the two of them. So just a more severe injury if you have multiple spots that have, have involvement. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's again because they haven't ex- you know disclosed exactly what it is. It's hard to say with high degree of certainty, but um, clearly it was a substantial injury. So if you're talking, you know, <laughs> you know, six nine months plus without really any ability to get back in the field, it was a pretty substantial injury. But you know, I mean, it sounds like there's still optimism that he's going to get back. So it's hopefully something that just is taking longer to recover from, and they're just maybe worried about either lack of motion or strength, or maybe some persistent swelling that's holding him back. And as that subsides, he'll he'll get back in the field. Yeah, I was reading a little bit uh, earlier this morning that uh, he had actually a plate and some screws put into his foot, uh, and he just started walking back in January uh, with that. Yeah, you got to wonder if that might have been a Liz Frank injury. Um, uh, you know, that's that's a nasty one. We've we've talked about that a number of times. That's that that is a difficult one to come back from, and and it just really, really is a struggle as far as you know getting it to heal correctly. Um, and even when it does, some people just develop problems in the foot no matter what. Post traumatic arthritis is really prominent. Um, so yeah, I mean that's just one of those injuries you just hate to see. So not, again, not to say that's what it is for sure, but. Um, you know, when you're talking about fractures in the midfoot, that's that's one of the more common ones, and it's a pretty bad one. Yeah, no doubt about it, because I think uh, there were some scares about uh, Liz Frank injuries already this year, and it sounds like some people kind of dodged, you know, dodged that bullet uh, out there there too. So, mm-hmm. like turf toe, I've been seeing that uh, coming out there too, and I know you've talked about that quite a bit, turf toe injuries. Yeah, yeah, I, I had that myself, so I can speak firsthand. It's not a fun one. It just sounds like such a like that's such a soft condition. It's like turf toe. Yeah, tape it up and get back out there. But you, I mean, you you basically rip the plantar plate on the bottom of that big toe, and um, about half of your driving force through the toes comes through just that big toe alone. So it, it's painful, and you're weak, and it's not fun. I can tell you that. Yeah, so cause... it's when people. I mean, it ended Deion Sanders' career. I mean, it, you know, they're 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 legit injuries, no doubt about it. Yeah, because it was uh, Terry McLaurin, the the wide receiver, really good wide receiver for Washington in that preseason game ended up getting turf toe. So you have to kind of wonder about mm-hmm. how well he's going to perform this year, I'd have to imagine, considering the position. Yeah, and that can linger. Yeah. yeah, and that can linger, no doubt about it. So, I mean, there's, you know, as always, there's different grades and severities. So if it's it's a high grade, yeah, this, that'll be a season-long, absolutely season-long problem for him. If it's lower grade, they'll probably put like a carbon shank um, orthotic in his shoe. So basically it's like this really strong orthotic that basically supports that toe. So when he pushes off that real strong carbon fiber or metal shank, take some of the load off that toe but it'll still not feel good shall we say so no question that could be a lingering issue for him mm-hmm, no doubt uh he's dr crow dr austin crow chippa valley orthopedics and sports medicine that's going to do it for us on this episode of the man cave podcast brought to you by high v and toys and ford as always appreciate you tuning into this episode and hopefully we can keep you coming back to the man cave and if you could do me a favor Go to Spotify, give us a five-star rating. Apple, give us a five-star rating and a positive review so other people can find the Man Cave podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we will see you and talk to you in the Man Cave.